Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of Thieves Monthly Movie Loot on Lockdown. My name is Carlo and once again we'll be talking about the films I've seen during the last weeks of March en route to completing my monthly movie challenge. Now, seriously speaking, I want to reiterate what I've said in the last episodes. I hope that everybody is safe and healthy during this pandemic and please avoid any unnecessary contact and stay home, watch some films, listen to podcasts. So back to our challenge, let's get on with the last films I saw during the month of March. A film where the phone is crucial to the plot. I chose this category because of Alexander Graham Bell Day, which was on March 7, and for it I saw 2018 Sorry to Bother You. Now, this was certainly a weird, unique film. It is directed by Boots Riley and it follows Cash, played by Lakeith Stanfield, a struggling black telemarketer that learns to use his quote-unquote white voice to rise to the top at his job, but to the expense of his friends and girlfriend. This film was surreal to the max, full of some weird and unique imagery, which makes the film always be interesting in terms of what it puts in front of you and how it puts it. There are a lot of symbolisms and metaphorical twists and turns. Is it a bit heavy-handed? Yeah, not just a bit. Does things get a bit crazy in the end? Maybe, but I think it succeeds in taking across his points on capitalism and how corporate America operates. In addition, if you consider that this is Riley's first film, it makes it all the more impressive. The cast, which also includes Tessa Thompson, Danny Glover, Steven Yeun, and Arnie Hammer, is pretty good, but I thought Stanfield was a standout. His performance was so effortless, so laid back. I really liked it. Uh, so if you're in for something weird and heavy, but in a good way, then this is for you. A film from the 1920s. For this category, I chose 1925's The Phantom of the Opera. Most people know the story. The titular character, played by Lon Chaney, haunts the Paris Opera House when he falls for actress-singer Christine, played by Mary Philbin. He wreaks havoc in his efforts to make her a star. Overall, this was a well-done film with some pretty good camera work, at least for the time, although I think it was a bit overlong. However, Chaney and Philbin are pretty good, especially the former who designed his own makeup for The Phantom. Now, I thought this was worth noting because when you look at him, you could swear he has prosthetics, but he achieved the look mostly through the use of lines and shadows. It's amazing. Well, I do think the character of the becomed Christine's love interest could have used some work. I think he is a bit on the sidelines for the first half, and when they put him up front in the last act, it's a bit too late for us to identify with him. Still, the film is well shot, well acted and quite dark for the time. A film with the word spring in its title. Now, this category is obviously because of the arrival of spring. While looking for films that fit this criteria, I stumbled upon this short film from Laurel Parmet, simply called Spring. It follows a couple of teenager friends as they hang out in one of their houses, as one is trying to find ways to flirt with a boy through social media pictures, the other might be hiding something. I thought it was a neatly acted short, perfectly conveying the awkwardness and uncomfortable sense of sexual discovery and insecurity. It's barely eight minutes, so there's not much else to say, but it's really worth a watch. I found it on a website called Short of the Week, but I'm sure anybody can Google it with the name of Laurel Parmet. 
Now, after that short, I still decided to see a whole feature film for that category. Found this seemingly cheapo film called Red Spring on Prime, about a group of survivors looking for a safe shelter in a post-apocalyptic world overrun by vampiric creatures. If you look at the cover artwork on IMDb, you might be led to believe this was one of those asylum-like dumb action fests full of cheap CGI, but it's not. It's actually quite somber and introspective as it focuses on Ray, played by director and writer Jeff Sinasak, who is trying to cope with the possible loss of his wife and daughter. There are some bad performances and some eye-rolling cliches, but I still felt it was more competent than one might expect. Sinasak makes the most of his low budget and hides the seams of the visuals well enough, plus most of the characters are likable, which makes it easier to follow the film. Not a groundbreaking effort, but inoffensive enough and worth a watch. The third part on a film franchise. For this category, I chose Before Midnight, and from all of the films I was planning to see this month, this is probably the one I was looking forward the most. Like most of you know, this is the third installment of Richard Linklater's Before Trilogy, and it follows Jesse and Celine, played by Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, who are a couple now, as they navigate through their relationship struggles during one of their last nights in Greece. So I'm a fan of the first two films, particularly the second, so I was anxious to see where this last installment would take the characters. The film does a great job, of portraying the struggles of married people to keep things afloat and it does so through the usual conversations between the two leads like the previous two films there are numerous stretches that consist of just Jesse and Celine talking about numerous things their past, their future, their jobs, how are they as parents, their failures, frustrations, religion, friends, life in general and whatnot and as usual Hawk and Delpy excel in it it's obvious how comfortable they are with each other and these characters that you believe it there's a scene towards the beginning where Jesse and Celine share a dinner with some Greek friends where a couple of the performances were a bit weaker and some of the lines of dialogue and the setup of the scene itself felt a bit forced in how they pushed the film's thesis about life and relationship. But when the film focuses on Jesse and Celine, it sizzles. If there's one thing that this trilogy has done well, it's captured the essence of what each age period might feel like, whether it is the passion and romance of the youth or the harsh relationship of adulthood, or in this case the struggles and regrets of middle age. The whole last act at the hotel room was pretty intense as tensions rise between the couple, and even though it touches on some common tropes of marriage films, as usual, Hawk and Delpy sell it, plus the ending couldn't have been more satisfying. If I were to rank all three films, this might still be a notch below the first two, but it's still a pretty good film and a beautiful closing to this story. A film from Warren Beatty this category comes because of BT's birthday, which was on March 30, and I was surprised that I hadn't seen a single film of his. I had my eye primarily on Bonnie and Clyde, or either Dick Tracy or The Parallax View. Unfortunately, none of those were available streaming, so I went with Bread's instead, which was on Prime. This is one I'm still figuring out how I feel about. The film follows writer-turned-political activist Jack Reed, played by Beatty, and his relationship with fellow writer Louis Bryan, played by Diane Keaton, as they try to figure out their relationship and their careers in the midst of the Russian Revolution in the early 20th century. Now, my initial 
feelings is that despite some great performances and production values, the film doesn't seem sure of what to be, as it moves between romance and drama and docudrama to historical epic. I felt that when the film focused on the dynamics between Jack and Louise, it was pretty good, but as it shifted to the more historical political side of the film in the second half, it kind of lost me. Thankfully, like I said, the performances are pretty good and help keep things afloat. BT and Keaton, both of which I haven't seen a lot of, go from intense to subdued seamlessly and effectively. But there's a supporting performances from a guy called Jack Nicholson that I thought stole every scene he was in. He played a sort of friend, sort of rival of BT, and he was fantastic. I wish I could have seen more of him and his interactions with the lead characters. BT's direction is pretty good, but he also decides to include sporadic documentary-like interviews with witnesses of the life of Reed. Unfortunately, I don't think this added anything to the film and worked in its detriment, particularly for a three-hour film. Maybe my feelings toward it will change later, but I really wasn't that crazy about the film. So, that was my movie loot for the month of March. As you know, my goal is to watch at least 15 films, and I ended up watching 19, including one short film and a few extras with the kids. If I were to choose a favorite first watch of the whole month, it would probably be Ava Duvernay's 13th, and then maybe Carol, both of which I saw during the first weeks of March. You can listen to my first podcasts uh, for the discussion of those. If I were to choose a least favorite first watch, maybe Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return, which I also saw during the first weeks or maybe even reds which i just discussed sorry if there are any bt fans here i do look forward to other films of his now april already started and i've already chosen the categories for the month the new categories are a film with the number four in its title any film that starts with the letters g or h a film from the 1000 movies you must see before you die list whose ranking includes the number four a film from the 1930s, a drama film, a biblical film, a film based on a poem, that's because of National Poetry Month, a film with Marlon Brando, who was born on April 3, a road trip film, because of Read a Roadmap Day on April 5, a film featuring zoo or animals prominently, because of Zoo Lover's Day on April 8, a film with the word brother or sister in its title, because of Siblings Day on April 10, a film mostly set in a submarine because of National Submarine Day on April 11. A film about the environment or related themes because of Earth Day on April 22. A film with the word tree in its title because of Arbor Day on April 24. And a film from Ireland who celebrates their independence on April 24. Like I always say, feel free to look me up on Twitter or Letterboxd and tell me your recommendations for those categories. Also, any comment, questions, suggestion, or recommendation about the films I discussed or the podcast itself, you can contact me via Twitter at TiffCGT, T-H-I-E-F-C-G-T, or on Letterboxd as Tiff12. So that's all for episode 7 of Thief's Monthly Movie Loot in lockdown. If you like the podcast, spread the word, share the link, and tell others to listen. Have a nice week, stay safe, and stay home. Are you ready, Elsa? Yes, I'm ready. Goodbye, Rick. God bless you. Gotta hurry, you'll miss that plane.